Welcome Momentum back to our series that we've been in for the last few weeks, The Bible No One Told You About. Now today we're going to be looking at what I think is probably the least read part of the entire Bible. But before we do that, I have a question I need you to answer for me, okay? Who is someone that you absolutely dread seeing that you actually pay to see? So I'm not talking about the crazy uncle at Thanksgiving. I'm not talking about that Facebook friend that always sends you the weird conspiracy theories. I'm talking about someone you actually pay to see and you cannot stand seeing them. Here's what I'm talking about. I've got a story for you. Okay, so earlier this week, I go to get a prescription refilled at the doctor's or at the pharmacy, okay? And I saw some dreaded words on the prescription that I picked up. It said, last refill. And what that means is that if I want any more of this medication, I'm going to have to schedule an appointment with my doctor so that I can go ahead and get it refilled again. And so I know what's going to happen. I know exactly what's going to happen. I'm going to go to the doctor and he's going to start to ask me some questions. He's going to be like, so uh, Jeremy, um, <clears throat> how many times a week would you say you're exercising? And I'll be like, eh, you know, three or four. And he'll be like, well, which is it? Three or four. And I'll be like, two. And then he'll be like, uh, Jeremy, how much red meat, how much meat in general do you, would you say you're eating each week? Are you, are you eating it every day? Probably, I probably eat meat every day. H how many of your meals, Jeremy, are, uh, you know, at least 70% vegetables? Very, very few. Jeremy, um... How much sleep per night would you say you're getting? Are you getting seven to eight? No, not really. You know, usually six to seven or something like that. And he'll ask me these series of questions because the medication I'm on, it's like this low-grade blood pressure medic medication. And he's like, you know, you don't have to be taking this, Jeremy. If, if you do these other things, and I know, I'm like, I'm like, I don't want to have that conversation. I know what the conversation's going to be. I know what it's going to look like. I know what he's going to ask me. I don't like going to that meeting because, not because he's mean to me, not because he lies to me. He just simply tells me the truth, a truth that I don't want to hear. So who is that for you? Maybe it's a doctor. Maybe it's a dentist. Maybe it's an accountant. Maybe, you know, maybe it's a, a coach of some kind in your life and you're like, ah, when I meet with them, they tell me the truth I don't necessarily want to hear. And if you can understand that, then you can understand what we're going to be looking at today. The part of the Bible we're looking at today is called the prophets. It's probably, like I said, the least read section of the entire Bible. So when we talk about the Bible that no one's told you about, the reason no one's told you about it is because it's honestly not a fun dive. It's not a, it's not a great place to go like hang out and look around and stuff like that. I mean, there's a couple of reasons for that. One, it's often confusing because unless you know the historical context of each of the different books of the, in, that are called the prophets, you're like, wait a second, who's Judah? And why is there all this woe being put on them? Or who are these people? And I, I don't understand. It's like you pick up Genesis, you're like, oh, cool. God's creating some animals, he's creating some fish, things are interesting, I like it, or whatever. You pick up the prophets and you're like, I don't know who these people are, and it seems like they're in really bad shape. I think I'm just going to skip it. And so what we're going to do today, though, is we're going to say, okay, what are the prophets there for? And what does this actually have to do with us today? 
And the easiest way, to, the, the place we're going to start with the prophets is we're actually going to look at what Jesus said about the prophets, and then we're going to go back and do some exploring, okay? What did Jesus say about the prophets? Well, in Luke chapter 4, verse 24, here's what Jesus said about the prophets. He said, truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown, okay? Even Jesus knows prophets get a bad rap. No one really wants to see a prophet. No one wants to hear from a prophet. Why? Well, let me ask you this. Let's say you, your phone buzzes and you got a text message and it's somebody, it's your spouse, it's a brother or sister, it's your mom or dad, and it says, hey, we need to talk. How excited are you to go and have that conversation? How excited are you to go and see them? Well, the prophets are basically that message to the nation of Judah, the nation of Israel, or whoever it was that they were speaking to. It's a, hey, we need to talk. We need to have a conversation. And when you go through the books of the Old Testament that are called the prophets, you know, starting on Isaiah, going through Malachi, this honestly the largest single section of scripture there is, it's these people that have been told by God, go to my people, go to this group of people, and have a conversation that needs to happen. Have a conversation that needs to happen because what's happening is not good. What's happening cannot continue. We need to talk and the prophets are the ones that are starting that conversation. In fact, the reason that prophets had, had such a bad rap or people really didn't like them is that every time a prophet showed up, you knew that they were going to disrupt the status quo. That's what prophets do. They disrupt the status quo. The way things are going can no longer be the same. It's like, you ever see those like home renovation projects, uh, the, the TV shows, and, and the person will come in and they'll be like, huh, let's walk into this closet. And, and then the homeowner's like, no, no, I don't want to do it. I don't, I don't want to look there. And you know, they open the closet and a bunch of stuff comes spilling out or it's like they go into the basement and it's really bad. Or like, think about those like, kitchen uh, uh, renovation shows where like the chef comes in to help a small like business and he's like well let's let's take a look in the freezer and you see all this stuff that's just slimy and moldy and it's like that's what a prophet does he's like we're gonna have to look at what's really here if we want to see things change the status quo has gotten you where you're at and it's no longer acceptable every single time a prophet shows up they disrupt the status quo and that's always uncomfortable it's like that conversation i had with the doctor I would just prefer to not have to answer these questions. I would, have to prefer, I would prefer not to think about these things. But if I want something to get better, I've got to look at the way things really are. I'm not 22 and 190 pounds anymore, even though I think in my head, that's probably where I'm at. No, the doctor tells me the truth. The prophet comes and says, hey, here's what's really going to happen. Now, they do this in a couple ways. They disrupt the status quo in basically two primary ways. The first thing they do is they point out where we as a people have moved away from God. Or in the, in the Old Testament, they say, hey, okay, nation of Israel, nation of Judah, whoever. This is where you're at, and this is how far away from God you've moved. And the second thing they do is they point out, okay, and here's what it's going to look like to return to God. And so what we're going to do now is I'm just going to break those two categories down for you and talk about, okay, in a lot of the Old Testament and in a lot of the prophets, this is what it looks like. They disrupt the status quo. Let's focus on that first one by pointing out how we've moved away from God. They basically do that in three different ways. The first thing they do is they point out where hypocrisy and double standards have moved us. They point out, okay, here's where your hypocrisy and here's where your double standards have taken you. Uh, 
Great example, Malachi 2.17, one of the prophets. This is what Malachi is telling the people. He says, you have wearied the Lord with your words. How have we wearied him, you ask? By saying, all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord, and he is pleased with them. Or, where is the God of justice? Okay, what is Malachi talking about here? What's happening? What are the people doing? They started to say, well, here's how we put it in modern terms. Hey, I know it's not really right, but that's just the cost of doing business. Um, I know that I'm not supposed to do this, but that's just the industry standard. Hey, look, no one lives in a perfect world, and if you're going to be someone who gets ahead, these are the kind of things you got to do here. You start to convince yourself, I am a good person, I just have to do things that aren't good. And you start to, you start to play two roles. You start to put on a mask. You start to say that, hey, I'm doing this one thing, I know it's not right, but that's just simply what I've got to do. And then when an individual does it, it obviously wreaks havoc. When people start to accept it as just a way of life, entire nations start to go off the rail. Entire people groups start to end up in a really bad place. And one of the prophet's jobs is to point out, you guys have gotten so used to hypocrisy that you do not realize how far away it's actually taking you from God. The second thing that they do is once people get, once people get comfortable with being uh, beat with hypocrisy, the next thing that a prophet will point out is saying, okay, and here's where that hypocrisy is taking you. It's taking you to a lack of compassion. They point out where a lack of compassion has taken us, has moved us. In Jeremiah chapter 5, the prophet Jeremiah, this is what he says to the people. Like cages full of birds, their houses are full of deceit. They have become rich and powerful and have grown fat and sleek. Their evil deeds have no limit. They do not seek justice. They do not promote the case of the fatherless. They do not defend the just cause of the poor. What is Jeremiah saying? These people who have gotten so used to hypocrisy now have no compassion for orphans, for widows, for people in financial distress. They just start to accept it as, well, that's just life. See, if you're going to, if you're going to dive into hypocrisy and start saying, well, this is just the way it is in this world, or this is what I've got to do to get ahead, you don't like to be reminded that there are people who aren't getting ahead. You don't like to be reminded that there are people who don't play by the same set of rules. And so you've got to start creating reasons in your mind why it's okay to mistreat them. Well, they deserve it, or they just don't try as hard as me, or something like that. I think about, and you guys might, maybe you guys remember this. Do you guys remember, gosh, I, I, 10, 15 years ago when Enron w went down and, and all this stuff? I mean, shoot, you guys remember the rolling brownouts that happened in California because Enron was shutting down? power supply stations and stuff like that. Do you remember when the audio came out of the different energy traders that worked for Enron? Do you remember the conversations where they're like, yeah, we know we're cutting off, I mean like verbatim, I can't say it verbatim because of some of the language, but they're like, yeah, we know we're cutting off grandma's power, forget grandma, forget grandma, only they weren't saying forget grandma. And they're like, and they were laughing about the fact that they knew this was causing harm to people, but it was helping them make money. And they're like, we don't care. We think it's actually a joke. This is how far off track people had gotten. And here's the deal. It's really hard for us to realize that's how far any of us have drifted. Why? Because we want to think of evil in like child kid movie terms. 
We want the bad guy to be someone who dresses all in black and has a, an eye patch and a scar. And it's like, oh, it's so easy to identify that that person is evil. Or we want it to be this, like, this hideous monster with scales and claws because it's like, oh, that's easy. That's an easy thing to identify as evil. It's really hard to look in the mirror and say, hey, guess what? What I'm doing is evil. What I'm doing is hurting my family. What I'm doing is hurting someone else. And so we, we, we justify it. We, we, like I said, we start with hypocrisy and then we lose compassion. We start to say, that's why they deserve it. Why? Because we don't want anyone to tell us the truth. And that's where the prophet steps in. The prophet says, hey, you have lied to yourself so much. You've gotten so far off track. You've moved so far away from God. And this is what's happened. This is what's happened in your life, and this is what's happened in the life of this people group or this nation. You've become a people who are okay with evil. You've become a people who laugh at the poor, who mock the, the needy, who do not help those in distress. The third thing that a prophet does is that once you've become okay with hypocrisy, once you've lost your compassion, you start to see that what you basically are left with is empty religion. Empty religion. Amos, another prophet, chapter 5, this is what he says to the people from, the, from God. I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. God is telling the nation of Israel at this time, I don't want to see you on Sunday morning because it's a joke. Your songs are a joke. Your, your, your stuff is just performative. I mean, think about it this way. You guys, probably, you guys probably know someone like this. You guys know that married couple that were faking it for a really long time and everyone knew that they didn't love each other. Everyone knew that there were severe problems, but they still showed up at the kids' events and they still try to be like, you know, like they're like, oh, I'm going to give my, my wife a kiss and I'm like leaning as far away from her as possible and I just give her a kiss on the cheek. You know, and everyone's like, guys, it's a show. We know it's a show. You're not actually working on any of your problems. You're doing this all as a demonstration and we can all see through it. Well, once you become so used to hypocrisy and once you become so used to a lack of compassion, the only thing left for you is to put on a show. And the prophets were the people that would come in and say, guys, God sees through the show. What are you doing it for? Do you think God's super impressed by the fact that you can manage to play act? You're not fooling anyone else around you. Do you really think you're fooling God? Do you understand now why no one liked the prophets? Do you understand now why Jesus said they don't have any honor in their hometown? Who wants to have someone show up and be like, hey, you're kind of being a hypocrite. You've lost all your compassion for the people around you. And most of what you do that quote unquote for God is just a fake show that we all see through. Now imagine like someone shows up at your door and says all that. You're like, yeah, I, I don't want to hear that. And if that's where things left off, that would be pretty depressing. That would be pretty sad. I don't think I'd want to hear that either. But the prophets didn't just simply point out where we drifted from God. They also pointed, painted a picture and pointed to, what does it look like to return? What does it look like to go back? We said that they, they disrupt the status quo by, yes, pointing out where we've moved away from God, but then here's the part that, that's good. They point out, what does it look like to return to God? 
This is the part of the conversation where the doctor tells me, Jeremy, sleep, exercise, vegetables, things you should probably invest more in. This is what the prophets do. Or uh, this is like when your friend tells you, hey, you know what? That person you're dating, you might be better off without them. Now, it's not, it's not a fun conversation, but it can be a hopeful conversation. And they basically point out how do we return towards God in two ways. One, they, they talk about the return of love toward God, the return of love towards God. Hey, if you want to get back on track, start practicing loving God. In Joel, one of the prophets, in chapter 2, this is what he says. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all of your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Let me talk about that real quick, just so we understand. See, back in the day, you would put on a public display of sadness by tearing your cloth, like tearing your shirt, and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm so bad. And you'd put on some ashes to say, look, I'm just so humble. And he's saying, hey, look, look, I don't even need the public display. Rend your heart, not your garments. Let me see that there's some sadness in your heart for where you've wound up. See, the road back towards God always starts with losing our indifference. It always starts with being upset about where we are. It's like, okay, I realize the pain that I've caused. I realize the hurt that, I realize that where I'm at in life is making me miserable and it's making everyone else around me miserable and I wanna see it change. And he goes on, he says, rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God. Why? Because he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love and he relents from sending calamity. What is Joel telling us about God? He's saying, hey, like, look, sin is its own punishment. God isn't looking to heap more punishment on you. He wants to stop. He wants the cycle to stop. He wants the pain to stop. He's not looking to add to it. But you got to stop going in that direction because the direction you're headed has nothing but pain. But as soon, as soon as you turn, God is ready. He is waiting and willing to embrace you, to love you, to care for you. This is what the prophets pointed to. The other thing that they pointed to is not only do you need to return for your love of God, you need to return the love towards others. In the book of Isaiah, in the very first chapter, he says this, learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. How do we know we're on track with what God is doing. How do we know we're on track? In the New Testament, Jesus laid it out pretty simply. You know, love God, love others. What does it look like to love others? Who are the people that are missing out in your society? Who are the people that don't seem to be advantaged by the way things are? Who are the people who seem to need someone to advocate for them? Okay, do you want to know what it looks like to love others? Engage those people. Listen to them care for them, help them out. If you're doing that, you're gonna, you're gonna avoid the hypocrisy. You're gonna avoid the lack of compassion. You're gonna avoid the empty performative religion. Why? Because you're doing the things that make this world, like we always say, a better and brighter place. Okay, so what do we do with this? Like, what do we do with all this profit stuff? Like, cool that it happened thousands of years ago. Interesting to learn some of this stuff. But 
what are you gonna do tomorrow when you go back to work? Or what are you gonna do later this week? Like, how do you actually do anything with this in real life? There's a couple things I think we can get from this. The first one is simply this. Do you have a friend that will tell you the truth in love? Not some jerk who just wants to blast you. Do you actually have a friend who will tell you the truth in love? Someone who will be able to like, hey, I see what you're doing there. I don't think you realize how dangerous that really is. Or, hey, I see that, I see that relationship you're kind of pursuing. That person is bad for you. Do you have someone that will actually tell you those things? And remember, it's important not only to tell the truth, but to tell the truth in love. If they're not telling you the truth in love, they're just a jerk and you don't have to worry about it. But do you have a friend who will actually care for you and speak hard truths in your life? The second thing I would say is this. Pay attention to what you think is okay in society. Pay attention to what you think is okay in society. Where you're like, yeah, that's just the way it is. Yeah, that's sad, but yeah, whatever. Let me give you a super obvious example of what I'm talking about. The closest thing that we have to a modern day prophet would be Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Okay, now here's the deal, here's the deal. Everybody loves Dr. King. You can't find anybody that will speak a bad word about Dr. King. Did you know that the year Dr. King died, a poll was taken and he came out as the most hated man in America? Did you know that when he died, 75% of Americans said they disapproved of Dr. King and what he did? That was only 50 years ago. Okay, why? Because once again, he was a prophet telling people, this is not what God has ordained, and here's the way to get back. The laws we have have to change. The way that we accept and treat people has to change. The things that we're doing have to change. And he was disrupting the status quo. Today we look at it and we're like, oh man, let's honor this man with a holiday. Let's quote him all the time. But if we would have been alive just merely 50 years ago, 75% of us would have said, no, I don't like this. Be careful with what you're willing to accept as just the way it is right now. Because 50 years from now, and a generation might be looking back on us and saying, how could they ever think that was okay? How could they ever think that that was what God wanted? So number two, look at what you're saying is, well, that's just the way it is. Poverty does not have to just be the way it is. Mistreatment of others does not have to be the way that it is. Big things that we're like, eh, but you're like, Jeremy, what do I do about this? What do I, how, do I, how do I actually make a difference? I know that there are some things that aren't good, but what do I actually, as an individual, I'm not in charge of a state, I'm not president, I don't have any like government authority, what do I actually do? Well, let me leave you with these words from the prophet Micah. In Micah chapter six, he says this, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. If you will simply walk humbly with our God, what does that mean? To be humble is to be someone who's not arrogant. To not think that it's okay for you to act one way and say it. See, arrogance is what leads to hypocrisy. Arrogance says it's okay for me to not do what I say everyone else should do because I'm a special case. Walk humbly with God. To love mercy, when you see someone in need, Figure out a way to help them. What does it mean to act justly? When you see, an, like, mercy is like the individual situation. Justice is 
the system behind it. What is producing these unjust results? What is producing the need for mercy? And then tackle it with a group of people, with the church. Do something about the things in this world that are not right. If you're doing those three things, you're fulfilling what the prophets came to say. You're, you're, and so the next time you're in the scriptures and you're diving in, you're like, okay, what's going on with all these prophets? Hey, just go back to Micah 6, 8. Live humbly, love mercy, act justly, and we'll see you guys again next week. Love you. Have a great week.